Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. I want to preach tonight on the table. It's the year of the table. I want to preach about that tonight. And um, I love what has been being spoken into this theme for 2021 for our church, the table. And I love what it speaks of. And amongst many other things, I love this, this picture of the table being about community and connection. At a table, there's an opportunity to build community. And I don't know about you, but if you get a takeaway coffee and you're chatting with someone, walking, getting in the car, doing stuff, it's different to when you dine in, you sit down at Peppermint Green in the back left corner. That was very specific. But you sit down and you're able to connect in a deeper way. And I really believe for you this year that as you go, as you go about your year and as you engage in the church, I believe for deeper friendships in your life deeper connections, relationships of substance in your life with people, but most importantly with God. I'm believing for you this year that you have a deeper connection with God. And, and I love the idea of the table also, painting this picture of invitation, that there's a seat for you at the table. There's a place for you at the table. And I love the Bible really for us is, is, is a large encouragement of what God has extended to us now extend that to others. As Christ has extended uh, forgiveness to us, we're going to extend that to others. As, as Christ has extended kindness to us, we extend that to others. As God has created a place for us at His table, let's extend that to others and include people in our lives, include people in the lives of the church, and, and let's always live a life of invitation. And uh, I love that the table speaks of a place being prepared for someone. And I know my mum goes to uh, a great effort when we have a family dinner to create a beautiful place for someone to sit at the table where there's, I, I don't know, it's like a um, napkin that's wrapped in a string. I don't know, yep. I never use them, but I appreciate that they're there. And, it's a, and you know what it is though? It's a, it's a beautiful expression of consideration, of effort, of detail. And you know, God has done that for us and we should extend that for others in preparing a place where we've been intentional, we've thought it through, we, we've cared about those details in looking after others. So I want to preach tonight about the table. And if you've got your Bibles, we're going to jump into the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 1 to 10. It's going to come up on the screen. I love this. This is made alive in Christ is the name of this passage. And it says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of His great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were uh, dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Verse 6, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us 
with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read that verse 6 and 7 again because it's so good. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with Him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages He might show the incomparable riches of His grace expressed in His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. You ready for verse 8? This is a very important scripture to our faith. Verse 8, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Can we just praise God for the word? That's so good. I love it. I love it. This is great scripture. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not by your own works. It is the gift of God. And I love verse 10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Guys, God has prepared something great for you to do in advance. Before you were even born, God had something great for you to do for Him. What is so amazing about this scripture is that that confirmation that you are saved by grace through faith, not by works. So we're going to have a look at these. And uh, I just want to look first at this statement of for it is by grace. Grace is a free gift. Grace is free and it's motivated by love. God has extended grace to us as a gift motivated by His love for us. I don't know if you know this, but God does not need us. If we did not exist, He would be okay. If we did not exist, God is still God. He's still sovereign. He is still completely fine. He does not need us. Then why are we here? Why did God create humanity? God creating humanity teaches us something about God. He created us to be the objects of His affection to be the objects of His love, to love us, to lead us, and to be in a relationship with us. The very fact that you're here tonight teaches us that God is love because He's created you to love. He's created you to be loved by Him. You're saved by grace through faith. Faith is belief. And what is that belief specifically in? It's not you're saved by grace through believing in cheese, Anyway, you're saved by grace through believing in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus being sufficient for you to be in a relationship with God. That's what you have faith in. It's not a faith that God is a nice guy, although He is nice. It is faith that Jesus is enough to be the sacrifice for our sin. It's not faith that the Bible's a nice book, even though it is a nice book. It's faith that Jesus Christ's death on the cross and His resurrection is the only way for us to be in a relationship with God. Faith that what Jesus did in dying on the cross and rising again is enough. It means that we don't have to be holy because He was perfectly holy. It doesn't mean we have to pay anything because Jesus paid it all. It doesn't mean we have to, it means we don't have to sacrifice anything because Jesus was that sacrifice. By grace, through faith, 
faith. Faith, not by works. Guys, I don't think you realize how good news this is. This is why they call the gospel the good news. It's because you're saved by grace through faith, not works, which means you don't have to do anything. Praise God, you don't have to do anything. Here's why that's so good. is because we see in the Bible that at the beginning of time exists an eternal, sovereign, holy God. God always was there. What sets Him apart from you and I? There's many things, but one of the main things is that He is not created, we are created. He has no beginning, we have a beginning. He has no end, our life on this earth will end. God is not like us. He is perfect. We are not perfect. We are not perfect, which meant that for a perfect God, a eternal God, a non-created being, to be in a relationship with a created, expiring, imperfect person, something great had to be done. And we see in Scripture that initially it was the shedding of blood which meant we could connect with God. The shedding of blood. And what we see in the Old Testament is that someone would commit a sin, separating them from God, their imperfections coming to the surface. And as their sin separated them from God, what would reconnect them with God was the sacrificing of an animal. Now, I don't know about you, but that is, that is horrendous. That is terrifying because I do bad things all the time. I, didn't, I don't want to have to drive a car around full of pigeons and hamsters for every time I sin because that's what you had to do in the Old Testament. If you committed a sin, let's say you stole something, you lied, you committed adultery, it was straight to the temple with an alpaca. And that alpaca was going to be the sacrifice for you to enter into a relationship with God. And that makes me go, man, the poor alpaca. And you want to say to the person with the alpaca, just stop sinning. But here's the thing, it's impossible because again, we are created. We are imperfect. We have a beginning and we'll have an end. We are incapable of being good enough to be in a relationship with a perfect God. Man, I'm grateful for Jesus because I would have been at that temple every day, guinea pigs, cats, send them all in. All the animal lovers, I'm an animal lover as well. I love them, covered in gravy. But... Some people were just amening that. I appreciate that. <laughs> but here's the thing. I read an awesome poem once where a guy was talking about what the temple would have looked like during that time. And he put it this way. He said, The smell of burnt offerings and the blood red stains were a constant reminder of everyone's inability to be good enough. A constant reminder, if you were back in the day trying to connect with God, where you lived would have blood and it would have smoke from the offerings being burnt. A constant reminder of our inability to be good enough. I feel sorry for the animals. I feel sorry for the people. It's a crazy thing. Here's the thing. Coming into a relationship with a perfect God with a one-time sacrifice instead of animals all the time, what if there was just one that we could sacrifice. The only problem with that is it would need to be perfect. It would need to be like God to be the perfect sacrifice. And there's nothing like God except God Himself. So God sent Himself, sent His Son, God in a bod, the Son of God, to the earth. 
We believe as a church in Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. And we believe that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came fully man, yet fully God, perfect, having never sinned. And He was that one-time sacrifice for all mankind for all time. No longer do we need to have animal sacrifices because Jesus Christ was that sacrifice for you and I. I never understood why Jesus needed to die, but He needed to die because we needed a perfect blood sacrifice so that one time it would cover all of our sin so that we could come into a relationship with God despite our sin. Church, this is the gospel. This is the good news. The good news is that what we were incapable of doing ourselves in trying to connect with God, God did for us through His Son, Jesus. And if we would believe in that sacrifice, we would believe in what Jesus did on the cross, we would receive the grace of God in the form of salvation. Our faith in Jesus by the grace of God means we don't have to do works, we just receive. Because of Jesus, we can go to God. Because of Jesus, we can be washed clean. Because of Jesus, we can be forgiven and launched into a transformed new life. The South African translation puts it this way, a transformed life. All right, Romans 5 verse 1. Let's have a look on the screen. Let's have a look. It says this in the book of Romans. It says, therefore... Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. I love this. Verse 6, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. I didn't say Christ died for the godly. I said Christ died for the ungodly. Verse 7, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before people changed, before we tried to be good, before we tried to apply the Word of God, God died for us. Jesus Christ died for us. God was reaching out to you through Jesus. What we could not do ourselves Jesus did for us. And I love, there's many things that sets Christianity apart from any other religion, but a key thing is this, is that the God of the Bible made the first move in reaching out to creation. He made the first move. You don't have to climb up a mountain. You don't have to hurt yourself. You don't have to recite nothing. God made the first move in sending Jesus to the planet. We don't need to do anything but Receive. It was God who was proactive and it was God that desired relationship with us before we desired relationship with Him. He's prepared a place for you in His kingdom. He's prepared a place for you in His family. And guys, God has prepared a place for you at His table. All right, so what about our table? So we're talking about God's table. It's majestic. It's beautiful. What about my table? What if I want to invite God to my table? Well, I've brought out my table. Let's have a look. Here's my table. Give Jesse a clap. He's awesome. 
Thanks, man. I'll come sit over there. So this is um, <laughs> this is my table, and um, I don't know about you guys, but whenever you have someone, co- thank you. I was trying to keep up with this one. Who, when they have people over at their house, you do like what is called like the fake house. So everything's so clean. Anything that doesn't look nice or could be put on Instagram goes into one room, which you cram the door shut. And when anybody says what's in there, you say, you do a Beauty and the Beast quote, you say, that's the West Wing, never go there. That's what you say. I know many people who at a time in their life when they've wanted to connect with God, what they thought they needed to do was to prepare their table for God and go, how can I get my life, get my table good enough for God? And many people say, my life's not ready for God yet. I've got to fix some things first. Can I tell you? It's not about getting your ducks in a row before you go to God because the reality is there are no ducks without God. God comes to put the ducks in a row. God comes to fix our life. I want to encourage you. We could not prepare a place good enough for God, so He prepared one for us. He's inviting you to His table. I want to encourage someone tonight. Don't try and make your life good enough to invite God in. It won't be, and that's okay. That's the whole point of the gospel. It's that we could not prepare a place good enough for God, so God prepared one for us, and He's inviting you to take a seat at the table. One thing I know for sure is that quite often, God comes into your life at your most broken, at your most messy. I love the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is a great story in the Bible. And I loved when I was growing up in church in Global Kids and a a kids team member would get up to preach and they'd say, today we're going to talk about Zacchaeus. Because it usually meant we were either going outside for someone to climb a tree or a ladder was coming in um, or they'd want to use the shortest kid for the illustration, which for many years was me. So I liked being up on the stage and doing that. But for those that don't know, the story of Zacchaeus is, is is an interesting story. Jesus is preaching somewhere, he's teaching, and this very short tax collector climbs up a tree to try and hear Jesus and to see Jesus. He's too short, perhaps, to get through the crowd or to see, but he gets up in this tree. And what's so cool about the story is that Jesus sees him, he calls him by name, and then he says to Zacchaeus, hey, I'm coming to your house for lunch. And, and what I like about this is back in those days, hosting someone for a meal was a big thing. And you'd do a lot of preparations. And there was a lot of honor involved. So getting uh, notice on the day that this teacher was coming to your house, Zacchaeus probably didn't have time to prepare very well. He wasn't able to kick everything into that back room and cram it shut and tell him not to go in there. Jesus invited himself to an unprepared table, a lunch that wasn't planned. I love it because he says to Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your table, not for the food, not for the hospitality, but for you. I'm not coming to your house because of what you can offer me. I'm coming to your house, to your table, because of what I can offer you. And I love that Zacchaeus, Jesus is is essentially saying, I'm coming not because of what's at your table, but because of what's at mine and the place that is at mine for you. Even though Jesus was physically sitting at Zacchaeus' table, Zacchaeus was in that moment being welcomed to take a seat at the table with God. 
And uh, what I love too is that God will meet us where we're at, at our little table, and then He'll call us to a better way. He'll call us higher to a better way. I love Zacchaeus. He was a tax collector. He was ripping people off and he experiences this encounter with Jesus. And then he says of his own thinking, I'm now gonna repay everything that I've stolen from people, everything that I have overcharged in tax. I'm gonna give it back. He was accepted and then he was called to a better way, called to a higher way. He felt the conviction of living in a better way. We don't come to God when we're righteous. We're made righteous when we come to God. He's prepared a place and at that place, He'll clean us up. Uh, anyone that's got a mom that um, is like a, a real loving mumsy kind of person, you'll, you'll know that if you're at a restaurant and there's something on your face, they won't even ask you. They'll just get in there with a wet thing and just kind of just get it off. And my wife's even like that. Sometimes we'll be at a restaurant and I'm thinking I'm pretty cool, like looking like a grown-up. And then she'll just get over with a finger and just get some, some fettuccine off my nose or something. Things that I can't even see on myself that shouldn't be there get cleaned up at the table. You know, that's just like when God accepts us and has us sit at the table. Things we can't even see in our life that shouldn't be there, He begins to change them. He accepts us and He calls us to a better way. I'll give you an example from Scripture because what the gospel is not is that within yourself you are everything that you need. That's not what it is. It's that if Jesus is in you, then you have what you need. Without Jesus, you're empty. And without Jesus, you can't do anything of true purpose and value. We've got to be careful to go, you're amazing just as you are. No, you're amazing with Jesus in you, drawing out that potential. And, and a great story about this is um, in the Bible, there's a woman who's caught um, in adultery. So she is doing something she shouldn't be doing, essentially. And um, what happens is, is, Jesus gets between her and some Pharisees, some religious leaders that were um, wanting to stone her, wanting to really cast judgment on her. And Jesus says, hey, he without sin cast the first stone. And so every, everybody's got sin, so no one casts a stone. But what, what I love about this story is that Jesus helps her, he heals her, and then he says, hey, go and sin no more. What's that? Acceptance. You're now with me, I'm for you, now called to a better way called to a better way. God loves us too much to leave us the way that we are. It's the same as the paralyzed man. This paralyzed man, he can't walk and he tries to get into this pool where there's healing and Jesus actually rocks up and just heals him right then and there. And then he tells the man, stop sinning. <laughs> stop sinning. And like a lot of the times we share these stories without that part at the end, but it's so important because God saves us and calls us to a better way, to a higher way. We are free from the penalty of sin and that is the motivation to live as best as we can a sin-free life. Often Christians are like judged for trying to be perfect. Christians actually accept that they're not perfect and they'll never be perfect and they need the grace of God every day. Get a seat at the table with God and then call to a higher way, call to a better way. I love it. Jesus comes into these situations these people in the Bible into their pain, into their distress. He helps them, He heals them, and He calls them to a better way. That is my story. God came into the midst of my uh, brokenness and came into the midst of my lost season. He helped me, he, he healed me, and He called me to a better way. That's what Jesus wants to do in your life. He wants to help you with where you're at. He wants to heal you, and He wants to call you to a better way. Don't try and prepare your table for God. God has prepared His table for you. 
He wants to come into your mess, into your brokenness, no matter what you're going through right now. He wants to help you, heal you, and call you to a better way. I'll just get the band to come join me. I just want to close with Luke chapter 14, verse 15. And this is a parable that Jesus tells. So a great story. It says this, When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Verse 16, Jesus replied, and this is a story, a parable. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported to this master um, and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out uh, to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. This is a parable, a story Jesus is telling to try and teach us a biblical truth, which is that God is like the master here, setting a space, sending an invitation out to come and partake of what he has. God is sending an invitation out to people to come and receive from him. But in this story, there are people that are too busy. There are people that have other things on their mind. They've got other priorities. People don't want to respond to the invitation. And so the invitation goes out wider. It goes to everyone. It goes to the countryside. It goes out the city limits. It's, hey, go to the poor. Go to all these people, people that have been rejected by society and now invited to come and be a part of this. I remember hearing this story for the first time and thinking, I'm not like the second group of people. I'm probably more like, some. I've got a job, I've got a car. And I was thinking, man, the invitation there, but where do I fit in the story? But the reality is this, this story is not talking about what you have physically. It's about the condition of your soul. It's about the condition of your heart. And all of us are lame without Jesus Christ in our heart and in our soul and in our spirit. Something is broken at the core of who we are without Jesus Christ in our life. We are all the people that are out there needing to be at this banquet. We need God. And I want to encourage you, the invitation has gone out. How will you respond? How will you respond to the invitation? I want to encourage you, if it wasn't clear enough, God is inviting you to His kingdom. God is inviting you to be in a relationship with Him. God loves you and He has done so much by sending His Son to reach out to you. It's almost like Jesus Christ is that invitation. He is the way that we can get there. And guys, Jesus came and He died for us so that we could be in a relationship with Jesus. The people in the story... The people in the story and the people in real life that miss out are the proud, are the self-righteous. Can I encourage you that all humanity, the great equalizer, is our condition without God. The great, uh, the great equalizer, whether you live um, all the way in the bottom of Brazil. I don't know if Brazil has a bottom. Anyway. Or whether you're on a beachfront intrigue, the great equalizer is that without God, we are in desperate need 
of a Saviour. We're in desperate need of purpose. We're in desperate need of forgiveness and we will never know true life until we receive Jesus Christ and respond to that invitation. Church, we might just stand together. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend, a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.